Hey folks, Mark Lindenmeyer from the Partially Examined Life Philosophy Podcast here. Are we getting too complacent? Is it possible that the technologies we introduce to make us happy will actually become too effective so that we stop striving and becoming actually human? This was Friedrich Nietzsche's worry when he introduced his notion of the last man. The work was Thus Spoke Zarathustra from 1883, where Nietzsche has his avatar, Zarathustra, give a sermon. Lo, I show you the last man. What is love? What is creation? What is longing? What is a star? So asks the last man, and blinks. We have discovered happiness, say the last men, and they blink. They have left the regions where it is hard to live, for they need warmth. One still loves one's neighbor and rubs against him, for one needs warmth. People still quarrel, but are soon reconciled. Otherwise, it upsets their stomachs. A little poison now and then, that makes for pleasant dreams, and much poison at the end, for a pleasant death. Everyone wants the same, everyone is the same, he who feels differently goes voluntarily into the madhouse. Formerly all were insane, say the subtlest of them, and they blink. This is an image that we later see dramatized in Aldous Huxley's novel Brave New World from 1932, where social engineers have figured out what makes people happy and constructed a society so that that will be fulfilled virtually all the time. And this is supposed to shock and disgust us. I think largely because in that case, as in Nietzsche's speech, there's an imposed uniformity. The social engineers have not found out what makes each one of us happy, but they've analyzed human nature and come up with a recipe for happiness, which involves not only manipulating the environment to fit human needs, but manipulating human needs to fit the environment. So in Brave New World, you get technologies to condition us into being easily satisfied. So clearly that's a mistake. But the question remains, would it be smart for us to try to figure out what actually makes people happy and construct a society where this is maximized? Now, the target of Nietzsche's wrath here is utilitarianism, which is the ethical theory that posits that the good, the thing we should be shooting for as individuals and society, is to maximize happiness. So that requires that you first determine what happiness is. And Nietzsche, who considered himself a psychologist, is actually engaged in that very program. Nietzsche wanted individuals to thrive. And much of his philosophy consisted in picking out the intellectual trends and other social forces that hold us down. So, for instance, if you have an ethic that values the afterlife over this life, then he thinks that you are not going to appreciate this life, not going to live it to its fullest. He thought that it's essential to our well-being to be creative, and that this requires a certain amount of irreverence for our predecessors. If you think that the wise people of the past have worked everything out, then it would become your task to merely follow in their example, to essentially be submissive. Now, it would be a mistake to see him as having an ethic of selfishness or of not being compassionate, but if you take any ethic as fully established and you merely its servant, then again, you're abdicating your creativity, your individuality, your independent judgment, and these are things that we need to exercise to thrive. So while there's a certain kind of selfishness that is miserly and bitter, there's also a healthy kind of selfishness, a self-enjoyment, where you revel in your capacities. That's what thriving is about. It is also great if you can be generous because you're so overfull with joy where your creativity is bursting out and you want to share it with the world. But if you go to help others to escape from your own problems, if you let yourself get sucked into somebody else's suffering, if you're driven by pity, which Nietzsche thinks is actually a fundamentally condescending and hostile emotion, then something has gone wrong. So Nietzsche does have a notion of happiness, but it's not a recipe for happiness because it's just more complicated than that. In fact, the term flourishing is probably better than happiness because a lot of the ways that we flourish involve challenging ourselves in a very serious way. 
any great act of creation is going to involve considerable suffering. And it might even be that you are suffering for the sake of future generations. So there might not actually be a point where you look back on your life and say, oh, that was a happy one. So on the one hand, there's a lot we can do to characterize what flourishing amounts to. But it's going to be very hard to codify that into rules or into a social program to maximize this kind of flourishing. Nietzsche is one of the few ethical philosophers that's open to the possibility that what enables my flourishing might actually be antithetical to your flourishing. However, I think this is another case like the selfishness and loving thy neighbor examples, where I think Nietzsche is trying to add nuance to our moral sentiments rather than just flatly contradict them. Right? For us to flourish, we need challenges, we need obstacles, we need good enemies. And he even talks sometimes in praise of war. But look, I don't think we need to take this literally. Clearly, a battlefield where people are getting limbs blown off, coming back with PTSD, is not something that is maximizing thriving for anybody concerned. And of course, giving up your autonomy to obey orders as a soldier is not going to be something that Nietzsche is going to be down with. And the same goes for any other kind of subservience, whether political or in your job or wherever. If you really take the idea of human flourishing seriously, you'll see that there have not really been many conditions on Earth ever where this has been possible. And it's not just a matter of removing constraints, but of self-overcoming. Because we are filled with the commands of our culture, with the commands of these cultural forces that he doesn't like. And it's not just that we have to throw off this social conditioning to reveal some natural human being underneath that is so superior... Because our instincts, too, are pretty blind. They don't always pull us in the direction that would lead to our overall thriving, our overall happiness. There really is no single, simple recipe for self-actualization. But this is actually good news. Nietzsche wants us to be creators of values. And he regards one of the things most worthy of our esteem is the capacity to esteem itself. When we esteem something, when we point to it and say that's valuable, we're asserting ourselves. We're asserting what Nietzsche calls our will to power, which is a way that Nietzsche characterizes what flourishing is to us. It might not be pleasure. It might not even be something we call happiness, but it is having an effect in the world, having an effect on ourselves, doing something such that life feels meaningful. So the whole enterprise of ethics, what should I do? What should I concern myself with? Which little voice in my head should I listen to? All that is problematic enough that it requires our creativity. And being creative in this way is a fundamental ingredient in our thriving. Now, that little space for creativity, the fact that ethics doesn't determinately tell us exactly what to do in every situation, doesn't mean that we are entirely without guidance. Doesn't mean that we don't know so many things that prevent people from thriving, such that if we want to make a positive impact in the world... We can work to get rid of those things. We can work to structure our society, not to the degree that everybody will be guaranteed happiness, but to remove the common impediments, hunger, lack of health care, servitude. And we need structures, we need institutions that will allow us to engage fruitfully with other people, whether as helpers or lovers or competitors or whatever. In a vacuum, without other people, it's very hard to come up with something that actually feels meaningful to do. Still, the complexities that we've talked about here make it clear that this craft of building a society that will enable human flourishing is not a matter of engineering, but is more of an art. It's an ongoing process of negotiation, of continuing to figure things out, trying things, seeing what works, what doesn't, which means we need to retain dynamism in society, unlike the Brave New World Society, which is designed specifically to be stable. And in that book, it is presented as a stark choice between absolute stability and sterility versus war and chaos. But clearly, those are not the only options. And I hope we can keep Nietzsche's concerns both about how much control is too much control and how difficult it is to achieve human flourishing as we proceed in our American experiment.
This has been a glimpse into philosophy. I hope you'll join me and my partially examined life co-hosts as we explore Nietzsche's Thus Spoke Zarathustra in our episodes 213 and 214, and as we discuss Brave New World in episode 215. You can get that at partiallyexaminedlife.com or looking up The Partially Examined Life wherever you listen to podcasts. And speaking of living artistically, I also want to invite you to check out my other podcast, Nakedly Examined Music, where I talk to songwriters about their creative processes. You can find that at nakedlyexaminedmusic.com. Again, this is Mark Linton Meyer. Thanks for listening and have a great day.